At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Before I get into the podcast today, I wanted to let you know that this conversation was recorded prior to the nationwide requirement for shelter in place. So it sounds like we're not practicing adequate social distancing, but this was a conversation from months ago. So please don't email me about how I'm adding to the problem. We're practicing it now. We're tr- hoping everybody's safe and healthy out there, and we're trying to keep people entertained and informed. So take a listen and don't email me about uh, me being in the same room as Tyler Huckabee. The intro track you're listening to right now is called In the Light by my good buddy SJ. He just released an EP with the same name called In the Light. If you haven't checked him out already, follow him on Spotify. It's just SJ and then follow him on Instagram at here is SJ, H-E-R-E-I-S-S-J. What up, baby? It's the Preaching the Sneakers podcast, the podcast nobody has ever asked for and continues to not ask for. On today's episode of the podcast, I interviewed the relevant media czar, Tyler Huckabee. Sat down with him in Nashville, and we got to talk about uh, both being homeschooled, going to Bible college, about relevant media, talking about his career as a writer, and also uh, some of the issues around consumerism, celebrity culture, and politics, and optics on social media. He's an incredibly smart dude, very well-spoken, and I learned a lot from our conversation, so... Uh, he uses some big words, so pull out your dictionary, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Tyler Huckabee. Great to meet you. Great to meet Thanks you. Thanks for coming. Oh to my out. god, this, is, this I, has been very. I feel like we have quite a history of. I guess that's true. Uh, we've never really talked to each other. Well, we talked on the phone briefly this summer. I talked to you on the phone this summer for a piece that I don't even think that didn't happen. Yeah. So, yeah. Because so, a lot of things changed at the magazine or at the company since that. Uh-huh. Um, but I, uh, wanted to talk to you because you have such, uh, an insight into this whole world that I think is helpful, even just for me and the people that hopefully listen to this podcast. (laughs) Um, so for those that are just tuning in, this is Tyler Huckabee, who is the assistant editor, senior, senior editor at relevant media. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, you hear him on the relevant podcast pretty consistently. I mean, he's, you're running the podcast now, you and Jesse. No, I am on the podcast, right? Jesse's the he he's in charge of the pod. He's in charge of the. the but company. you're you, but I am you're on, on every but single I am, one. But I am now much. on every podcast. Yeah, yeah, and you also have uh, a very thorough Twitter game, which I appreciate. <laughs> Do you also have a brother in town or some or in town? Not there's some I other there's of. some other Huckabee on Twitter that I follow. Victor. Victor, he, are you related? We are not. We are not brothers in that sense. No. We, I, I don't think so. We there's but no spiritual brothers. According to my parents, and I have not gotten yet to that stage of life where you start really digging into the family tree or anything. So I don't know when the pilgrim. I don't know where where my ancestors came from. But according to my dad, there was only one Huckabee that came over on the boat. Oh, okay, so so, there, so, so Mike Huckabee, Huckabee, Sarah Sanders, Huckabee. I, and I have not yet found the connections, and I'm not super interested in doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but there is some sort. of, I think we're all part of the same 
the branches are all from the same. That's so interesting. But y'all, I've seen y'all talk back and forth on Twitter. Yeah. Not to be creepy. Victor's great. Yeah, he like started a Netflix show or something. Yeah, he, he wrote, wrote Tony Hale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to get Tony Hale on the podcast. I sent him a hoodie. He follows my account. That dude is hilarious. Tony Hale is one of the. I've just I just wrapped his, uh, and I didn't even know he was on it. I didn't recognize his voice until the end. But he's on this new. You know that I like comics, and he's on this Harley Quinn show that's like you can't watch it's on dc's exclusive app thing there's Very no exclusive. reason for anyone to watch it <laughs> but tony hale is a voice of one of the characters on it and it's and it's great tv and i'm mad that nobody gets to see it because it's as good as anything else he's ever done on veep or arrested or anything gosh like that. yeah and he seems like such a legitimately decent guy seems like I, I heard him on the dax podcast yeah. i think and he he seems like somebody that would be the best friend or cares deeply about people and about like using his career for good he i think so i think i think that's really hard to do i've interviewed him twice for relevant mm -hmm. and he remembered me the second time which does not happen because <laughs> this guy talks to, you know he talks to people all day long yeah. so he doesn't have to remember me and then he did what nobody does he shared the piece that i wrote about him which always feels like that's a i think that's a good thing like you you want to i want to tell myself that i'm not writing to be liked Right, you know, like oh, who cares? I, I'm gonna say, tell the truth about this him. But is in for this the case, love of the yeah. In this case, telling the truth about him is just he's genuinely just a really lovely guy who's fun to talk to. And I've, if there's any dirt there under the rug, my journalistic skills couldn't pick up <laughs> on it. It uh, it seems it seems like it's hard to be. I mean, I, I do you call him a comedian or is is he an actor? It seems hard to become famous in the comedic sphere without just being super obtuse and aggressive and yeah, no, like yeah. pu like like pushing the limit uh -huh. and it seems like he just is a good actor also really funny and has kind of a, a niche character style that that uh appeals to a lot of people and in turn he's also not a racist and it's not <laughs> like the perks yeah and he's not yeah, like the, he, he doesn't have a slew of cuss words and everything he, he's he's married he's got like a he's got a happy family life yeah he just seems like a good like a genuinely good dude and he seems like he's primed for one of those like hbo series that where he does his dramatic turn you know oh like, yeah like, oh this guy can really act like i think that could happen at any moment right me. yeah that's a good point because yeah he has played kind of second fiddle to i mean he really stood out in veep did you watch that whole series I, it's one of my favorite i love it it's so good I my it. wife i mean he won a he won a emmy for it yeah and my, my wife and i were so like at, on, on one end it's like should we be watching this at all because it's so <laughs> vulgar but then on the other end i remember like aching aching crying laughing it's one of the first episodes that selena sits down at some dinner and she's got to pray for the food and she goes holy mother of god <laughs> like, she, like 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 oh my god but <laughs> whatever they would just let selena be selena and go off on one of those like two minute long just like it was like a like a it was like a floor routine for a gymnast where she just unleashes <laughs> And it's pure word. ad lib, like 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 profanity I had never heard of that I was not that I was that I was like conditioned from, and it it worked beautifully. Yes. But you're also there are parts where you're like, I don't know if I should be. I'm not, I kind of thought I was past all that, like you uh -huh. know, I was raised in that. But I'm thought, at me too. I thought that oh I don't care whatever they I can, can compartmentalize they, they, it. They can they can you know tear somebody's entrails out on camera and I don't care. And then I'd watch some deep stuff. Like, like oh, oh like I hope my well, mom that's a string of words. <laughs> Um, yeah, and it's it's uh, and they make such a good like caricature out of the vice president position that I just I had never experienced before, Same. and it was just such pure comedy. I was so happy that uh, we paid the whatever fifteen dollars a month <laughs> for it. Um, anyways, so I uh, I didn't know who you were until okay. uh, everyone started talking about my account on relevant like i had listened uh -huh. i had listened to the podcast before but never really internalized who sure. all the players were in the podcast um and then y'all had some kind of commentary on, on my account and then uh -huh. i started paying attention to you and thought you're incredibly interesting oh, thank you. and I, I think that's good yeah no that is good and good. and like you have some takes online that are surprising given your position in a, a pretty like mainstream christian publication uh -huh. um and so I appreciate that because it's, it's, it's like boldness to be able to say like, hey, I'm secure enough in the things I believe. I'm not going to sell out to try to uh, appease the, the 
mm-hmm. common denominator of our bigger audience. Mm-hmm. But that's a dicey field to play in. Like being the senior editor of a magazine that has a Christian readership. Uh-huh. I'm not saying your views aren't Christian. I'm just saying they don't oh, lean yeah, towards, yeah. Uh, and I don't know anything about your faith background, but I, I'm saying uh, they don't lean to the mainstream sometimes, uh-huh. and I appreciate that. Well, thank you. And so I, I think, yeah, thank you. Yeah, so I wanted I wanted to bring you on to hopefully dig into that a little bit. Sure. Um, if you could briefly maybe tell me about, because uh, I, I read that you went to Moody in right. Chicago. Uh-huh. Um, so you, pr- you have a cr- like Christian, like that, Seminary? Did you go to the? I did not go to seminary. Okay. No. So their undergrad, Moody Bible Institute. Yep. In Chicago, Illinois, uh, is a extremely conservative uh, evangelical, not uh, on the record fundamentalist, but they would certainly have some fundamentalist leanings and people in there who would call themselves fundamentalists. Did you grow up that way? Were you homeschooled? I was. I was homeschooled. As yeah. was I. Uh, Rep uh, it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> what are the odds? What are <laughs> my talk to somebody? <laughs> Not high, <laughs> but but yes, I was homeschooled, and I, I'm from Nebraska. I was raised oh, in okay. the Midwest in a, a very small town, and uh, and then moved to Chicago to go to Moody, and that that's was, culture shock. It was a culture shock, and I loved it. I I, I adored like like because just being the, with new types of people. Yeah, and if if you don't know, Moody is actually situated. It's right. It's in the loop. It's right downtown Chicago. You could walk by it, and people do in Chicago every day, and not know it's there. It's quite mm. small, but uh, but for me, you know, for the first like my freshman year, I walked around with my neck craned up to the sky, like, like how do they make buildings? This, that, that sort of that that whole. I was very shell shocked and culture shocked, but I fell in love with it right away. I, I still love Chicago, and great um, pizza, great wind. The pizza, the wind, the wind, the wind. I don't miss it this time of year, but in right. general, but in general, I do miss it. But it's very, it, it was very in line with my upbringing at the time, which was quite conservative uh, culturally and, and very evangelical, and did not strike me, for the most part, as strange. Although, you know how when you're raised very conservative, every now and then you meet somebody you're like, oh, I thought I was conservative. Right, you're right. <laughs> it's like, oh, your genes are pretty high. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So there, and that creates this little hierarchy, right? <laughs> but I, but I, I really, and this is not true for a lot of people, but Moody was made for people like me. You know, I'm, mm. I'm a straight white guy. I was, I was, I don't look. I had a good, largely really positive experience mm-hmm. at Moody, and it was not. You didn't I, have a deconstruction at that time, not in or? college at all. No, no. It, little so bits it, and pieces, but but not but it really. like it it just built on your upbringing. Yeah, that, that's what a lot of those institutions kind of aim to do. And there were there were people that I look back on and experiences there and even professors who taught me things that I still look on very fondly and mm-hmm. that were very, that, that informed a lot of my current theology and uh, philosophy and life outlook. I don't think a lot of them would want to take credit for those things, but they inadvertently sort of pointed me in a direction that they probably, <laughs> that they probably uh, just didn't go themselves. Hmm. Or haven't so far gone themselves. And I think that happens a lot. For a lot of people. So what 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 uh, what happens after college for you? I, I stayed in Chicago, and okay. where a lot of my uh, what we'll call deconstruction really began at a job I got uh, right outside of college, which was at a uh, at a church that was in Boys Town there in Chicago, uh, where I was put in charge of. They had this sort of uh, homeless ministry thing mm-hmm. that they did and it was uh, like a lot of these Christian ministries are it was very it was not well funded and it was this was run by the Southern Baptist Convention so there was a lot of I was not equipped to be working there at all but I was mm. running the place and <laughs> I didn't know well, you're all we've got bro yeah yeah exactly <laughs> here's $18,000 a year oh 18,000 what a hell that would have been, <laughs> <laughs> been nice but that was not what yeah and it was it really just amounted to dinner once a week was I see. the extent of it and then some sort of like Did you have to raise support prayer and lesson the support came the money that we had was uh the SBC did provide but if I oh, told okay. you it would I think you would be shocked I'm still shocked <laughs> And I don't. It's, it was literally like a loaves and fishes thing. Like, well, I guess oh, this yeah. is what we're using tonight. Yeah. I hope people aren't too hungry. <laughs> <laughs> but they were. But I learned so much there in Boys Town. Because uh, you're getting exposure to real to suffering real stuff, and for the first time, a lot of the questions that I'm being asked about God just don't 
I know what I'm supposed to say, but you can't. This doesn't work. Mm. This, doesn't, this doesn't answer this question. Uh, uh, it was it, it was and remains uh, um, a, a very gay area of Chicago. So almost everybody that we had there was uh, was LGBTQ of some kind. And so that's what all anybody wanted to talk about. It's the last thing I wanted to talk yeah, about because I don't want to tell anybody. Like, let's, yeah. let, let's talk about food stuff. Right. <laughs> don't you have any questions about Calvinism? Or <laughs> yeah, predestination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the, okay, so you, uh, conservative Nebraska boy in Chicago right. in an LGBT area uh-huh. serving the, the LGBT homeless mm-hmm. at the time mm-hmm. yeah. are now having to wrestle with what you actually believe about some of these things because people are in front of you saying I'm fully a person Mm -hmm. and fully have all these things going on and you want to talk to me about God, but. And honestly, they were ministering to me that that was a, that's such a cliche, but it was such a huge part of it was they kept me out. Like I didn't have enough money to, to eat or to live or to take take public transit around or anything like that. And, and uh, they I was helped by so many of the people who didn't have anything. Wow. And that just throws a lot of your preconceived notions about what you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to live, what you're supposed to think, and who is offering who what. Yeah. You know, because like, like, I had to get over really fast my ego about, like, well, no, I'm the one who's here to minister to you guys, not the other way around. And uh, That's pretty and humbling. That, yeah, that really threw everything into a tailspin. Because, like, these people that – you know, at the time, what year is this? This would have been 2007. Yeah, so like in 2007, uh, the church, Big C Church, Southern Baptist Convention says, mm-hmm. you know, this is a lifestyle that we cannot support. Right. Yet these people are are literally giving you life mm-hmm. for, or like sustenance. Food that and, they don't have. Yeah. yeah. And so that's that's challenging every bit of worldview that you grew up with like mm-hmm. these people are living in sin and are unrepentant yet they're they're serving you in a way that you want to be able to serve them uh-huh. and manifesting the sort of spiritual life and faith because here i am and i'm in my mind i'm doing it this is this is like playing the the christian video game on hard mode <laughs> i'm living i'm working with the homeless i'm yes. 23 years old <laughs> Uh, and this is where I'm supposed to really like, you know. This is it. You're every, on mission. I'd always been told was, oh, I mean, it's hard, but the the sense of satisfaction you'll feel, oh, money can't money can't compare. And I was like, well, money would be nice. A little heat a, every once in a while would be good. And, and B, I'm not enjoying this. <laughs> My attitude I, is I'm poor. not getting any spiritual nothing out of this situation those memory verses are only going so far right now would really love a double cheese you know what i mean like that Uh does that make sense so that was really the the beginning and it was a it was a very difficult year but but it did uh end up i was only there for a year and then ended up going back to to lincoln nebraska after that to sort of put things back together i see try to figure out because you were struggling after that struggling i didn't know what i I didn't know if i believed any of this or what to think and i obviously couldn't work for the sbc anymore like that wasn't gonna happen i think they were fine with that (laughs) and uh, some mutual (laughs) yeah okay i just went back and started bartending and that that's where things sort of coalesced in a different way i suppose interesting do you have a signature drink it was I mean, or at it was the time, like vodka tonics. Remember, this was like 08, so so it, it was everybody was trying to be Don Draper. So I made old fashioned. <laughs> old fashioned. So like, uh, yeah, oh, let me get an old. Oh, fashion. I could make. A, everybody thought they were Don Draper, <laughs> and so did I. I was part of the problem, but it was that was it's such at a good that point. time, especially. <laughs> <laughs> everyone who was watching Mad Men is like, uh, no one. Everyone's like old enough to drink now. Uh, let me get an old fashioned. All the bartenders rolling their eyes, like <laughs> these guys coming in with their thrift store suits, like, <laughs> two sizes let me, let me too big. Peel this orange some more their, for you. Their L.A. looks, hair slicked back. <laughs> Man, I don't pomade. think that's, I don't think it's that's not the thing that's separating you from Don Draper. It's not, it's not the hat. It's just the overall swag that you don't have, and you're in Nebraska, uh, yeah, sir. Yeah, I don't think Kevin. It's. God dang it! I remember you in high school, Kevin, with your cargos. Anyway, so you're back in Nebraska. You're bartending. I mean, where does writing come in? And uh, I mean, Relevant existed then. Yeah, Relevant existed then, and I wanted to – I enjoyed writing and had always enjoyed writing and had gotten a few things published at Relevant at the oh, time, okay. which was just like little freelance 
gigs that I was. Was um, it commentary on culture or was it? Yeah, it was reviews. It was, uh, I think I, re- I think the first thing I published for Relevant may have been a, <laughs> this is going to, this is exactly right, a, a, a Bone of Air. I think it was the, a Bone of Air. I can't remember which album, but I think it was a review of that. So One of the early ones. Pretty standard white guy, Christian, like finding God in Bone of Air type. Uh-huh. It's not really there, but you, if you squint, you can <laughs> if find, you squint. find Or something. you could fall asleep because it's incredibly <laughs> melodic and peaceful. So I had done a few, and honestly, they... I'm uh, a Bon Iver fan, Oh, too, yeah, nobody... So. It, it's easy to make fun of him, but it's hard to hate him. Yeah. Because it's just too... Because it's really good. Yeah. Carry on. And then... So I I had gotten a few bylines there, and I had started doing some other work for. I, I did a little bit of writing for a short-lived TV show, and honestly, relevant called me out of the blue one day. It was very unexpected. They said we had a position open up. We like your writing. Would you be interested in interviewing? Sweet. It's nice to be wanted. It was. That was extremely gratifying. What, uh, let me go back to the TV show. Was it uh, yeah, on the air? It was on air. So this was a it was a really wonderful time of life. The TV show, I, I don't think anybody listening would have ever heard of it. It was called Footnote. It was on the uh, it was on uh, WGN. Okay. Uh, at like two in the morning, but it was like a it was it was paid for by a Christian organization. They really wanted to do some sort of youth like bare. Not a Christian TV show, but a TV show made by Christians right. type thing to try to... to Somewhat win. of a switchfoot uh, Yeah, TV sort of the switchfoot of the, of the TV show world. And we didn't know what we were like. We were a bunch of... I don't know why we were hired to do this, but but I look back at it. It's a little dated, but I'm still proud of no, the yeah, that's like, season great. we put together. And it, it was kind of a documentary type show. We just picked a different topic every week and shot a few interviews about it and traveled a lot. And it was... It was uh, Probably a great first experience to successful. pivot your career. Oh, I loved... I, I traveled. The team was really great. I I loved the experience a lot, and that kind of confirmed. Like, I like creative work. I yeah. like this. This feels good. Mm-hmm. So when the relevant opportunity came along, which was something that was more like about writing, actually, uh, I was definitely. I was. I was. Pretty and what role was that? Started out as a web editor. Web editor. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And what year was that? This would have been 2012. 2012, and you've been there ever since. Mm-hmm. I mean, to stay eight years somewhere is pretty significant. Yeah, in 2020. It's been, it's been a, uh, it's been off and on because I've done because I started assistant editor and then I became I was promoted to uh, managing editor shortly thereafter, and then when I moved here, that was in Orlando, mm-hmm. which is where Relevant is based out of. Mm-hmm. I moved here to get married. Uh, two years, uh, a year later in 2013, I moved here. And uh, went to, and then I bumped around. I did freelance for a little while, and then I worked for a startup for a little bit, a uh, startup website. And then when that uh, startup went down, then Relevant said we could use a senior editor, and I said hmm. okay. Wow, so you've you've done a lot. I guess I have. <laughs> when I <laughs> Such is like the millennial it, existence. It doesn't feel like it until you say it all out loud. But yeah, right, yeah. Like, it's like if we break it all down, it's, I mean, all of us are searching for our landing place. All right, well, so, I mean, what does it look like at Relevant now? I mean, it, it's it's such a bigger thing than it was. What is it? It's a terrible way of saying it. But it's a, it's a, com- it's a media conglomerate now, for lack of a better term. What does it look like for you on a daily basis? I'm just curious. I, just, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, fortunately, I don't know if you're aware of this, but but the but digital journalism is thriving. <laughs> now is the time. <laughs> if you are considering a career in it, strike while the iron is hot. <laughs> People are reading a lot more now than they were. <laughs> this is now. This, trust trust in the news has never been higher. And print media too is a close it's thriving, second. Thriving, <laughs> thriving, thriving. I, I, I've been there, uh, like, started in 2012, so I've been able to see sort of the full arc of of uh, when when digital media really got going and, and relevant had already existed for a while and carved out its niche, but then things really took off. BuzzFeed got really big, and that lifted a lot of uh, brands, including relevant, really People high. were looking for a Christian version. People were them. clicking on, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, and for, uh, for a few years, it was really... The, the boom years, the boom part of the industry, and then the kind of pivot to video happened, and then that didn't end up happening, and that hurt everybody. And I think everyone's just sort of wondering, how are we going to crack this yeah. new world now? And it's that's a struggle that we've had at Relevant, obviously. It's mm-hmm. a struggle everywhere. But the the brand itself, 
in terms of the need, the uh, the where is what is is there something happening at the intersection of of Christian faith and pop culture? Is that worth analyzing? Is something happening there that's worth analyzing? Uh, and the answer is, and the answer is, that's what we're trying to find out. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be because it's so influential to our lives, even as people that are trying to follow Jesus, like this stuff is at the forefront. Mm-hmm. I mean, fighting for our attention all the time. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Uh, the thing I like about Relevant is that it it does give a realistic way to deal with all these things that we're going to be talking about with our coworkers and our friends either way. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. That's the goal. That And that's what I'd like to to as the definition of what culture is has sort of expanded because it's not just tv shows anymore culture is in everything and in america culture is really hard to pin down what's culture and what's just consumption what's yeah. just uh, marketing or or or, uh, or turning me back which is the realm that you've really tried to inhabit like is this a branding thing is this a ministry tool is this and f- dividing that line that's uh, that's a daily struggle, and yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know that I personally have figured out how to do it very well because it's hard to tell what temperature the water is that you've been swimming in. All your yeah, life. That, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point because people will, because <clears throat> people like just in the context of my account, like people want to see it as as a black and white thing, one way or the other. Either it's a streetwear brand, mm-hmm. or it's a ministry tool, or it's a call out tool, or it's a. Uh, a comedy tool and it's i mean it you know since the beginning i've had no plan or strategy <laughs> like i i've been figuring figuring this thing out the whole time um but it's all those things and but there's there's i think there's value in evaluating all of that like it uh from the relevant perspective it, it i think it can be both a ministry tool and a pure like media like find out what's going on in the world tool mm-hmm. and i i assume i think i think that's what you're saying is like riding that line to see hey we're not really a, f- a fully a everyone convert to christianity thing but we're also not a fully buzzfeed just view into culture right mm-hmm. is that what you're saying yeah yeah and i think that's that the the trick the tricky part about there's a lot of tricky parts about that but it's that people want an easier label than that right yes they they don't the, the, it, that doesn't make because we're dealing with, and this is part of living in the internet era, we're dealing with a lot of things we don't really have words for right now. Yeah. And there's, there's, a, there will probably be boxes for what, for what uh, preachers and sneakers is doing, for what relevance is doing. There will be labels for that down the road, but they don't really exist right now. Yeah. So people are asking, what's the purpose of this? What's the yeah? Or when we, you know, we, uh, Kim Kardashian has made this pivot to working in justice reform. She's doing some amazing stuff. Truly, I take back every bad thing I ever said about the woman. Mm-hmm. What she's done in terms of trying to get nonviolent drug offenders out of what, she, what I, I think anybody would consider to be an exorbitant jail sentence, surprise, yes. surprise, yeah. is, is extremely commendable. Yeah. So we post about that because that is important. We believe that's important to anybody. Regardless so of who's like, doing it, that yeah, act is meaningful. Part of being a healthy spiritual person is taking an interest in real justice reforms, yeah. which is what's happening. And so we post about that, and somebody says, so you think Kim Kardashian, this, I thought Relevant was a Christian, Matt, and now you say Kim Kardashian. So it's hard to tell people what what we're saying there. Either you Because it looks like you're being wishy-washy. Yeah, yeah. Either you buy into the idea or, or you don't, and we don't have the time and you don't have the time or interest to lay out the entire philosophy and every, every single, single thing time. that we write. Yeah, I mean, I, I get wanting to be consistent and true to your values but i think what we probably have in common is that there are some things that we just don't know and some things are worth highlighting even if we don't have a basis or a side that we Mm -hmm. land on like for me the sneakers i really don't care about the sneakers (laughs) that much like people people think i i either hate these pastors or hate materialism or hate rich people I mean, I live in Dallas. I go to SMU. <laughs> like I, uh, yeah, I am in one of the wealthiest parts of the country, or in the South at least. Um, and I don't, I don't hate any of those things. I like the th- whole thing started because I knew about sneakers because I liked sneakers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the commenters made it a bigger 
discussion than ever I intended. Like I, it was amazing to behold from the sidelines. Yeah, and I it, couldn't believe it. And I was, I, it was so out of control, and I had no concept on how to to handle that kind of thing. Because, like, I mean, you see viral things all the time. Like it growing exponentially, and me not doing anything about it except having posting these freaking pictures. Yeah, yeah. And so then it starts developing into this conversation that now I have to have, a, or to the people that are following, now I have, like the New York Times is calling me, asking mm-hmm. what my angle is. And I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, It's an Instagram account. Yeah, it's an Instagram account. Like, I was just trying to be funny, but also, like, some of these points do. Exactly. Do, yeah, do make sense. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, Kim Kardashian doing a lot of good for getting people out of prison. Like, how do you argue with that? Or how do you argue with, like, people being pissed that, this dude is making millions of dollars off of preaching about a, a guy that was born in a manger and killed uh-huh. on a cross. Uh, so uh, not to not to self-serve myself too much, but I would like to maybe hear your perspective on when the account blew up and y'all saw it. Because y'all yeah. did a few pieces on it that I listened to mm-hmm. from afar. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I know Cameron is friends with a lot of the guys I was posting about. And so he yes. felt some type of way. And I, uh-huh. I totally understand it. And a lot of people thought that I was... I had a an- animus towards some of these guys, and I, I really don't, but I get it. Um, so I would just like to hear – it's just entertaining for me to hear about your yeah, perspective. Yeah, well, let me tell you, I don't think – and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. I will. I don't think when it first started blowing up, I was not a regular part of the podcast at that point. Oh, really? I don't think so. Okay. But I, I we definitely talked about it. I remember it. hearing your voice. I don't, I don't, it could have been – I mean, I could be – again, I could be I, – I know I have talked about it on the podcast. I don't think when it first started happening – Okay. I don't think so, but we definitely it was a huge topic of conversation, obviously at Relevant because this was right. At, like you said, these are a lot of the guys you were posting about, especially originally, were people that we have had on many times on the podcast. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I'm friends with them. I'm friendly, maybe friendly, with some of these interactive. Guys. Yeah, they yeah. know who you or I, who Relevant is. They would. I don't know. They probably wouldn't know my face, but they would maybe know your know voice. tweets or your or tweets. tweets. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so they, so when that started happening, my, I think there was some defensiveness from some people at Relevant just because of the perception that, uh, he's just trying to put all these people, what are, what are they supposed to do? Go on stage barefoot? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, they're just sneakers. What's well, like, this? Pastors they, can't have nice things. They, they do a nice hard things, job. They get there and then the gift thing, you know, supposedly they're getting these as gifts. There's a whole about, network of people getting about exquisite that. gifts. I don't know about that. <laughs> And I tried to, like a lot of people did, I tried to dig into it. I tried to call these guys and get their thoughts on it. Got nothing in response. Did, did not hear back, uh, which, which is, which is uh, understand, yeah, it's their prerogative. Right. And, and it's probably a, a standard PR strategy. Like, dude, let's just let this blow over. Yeah. I think it is a standard PR strategy. So I, my thought was, it was especially, and since they're in Orlando uh, and I was here in Nashville and it was a very big deal just among the Nashville pop. I, I heard strangers talking about it at the I, I just recently did hear it. I, some people thought it was me because nobody oh, really? knew who you were at first but they knew it was a guy <laughs> named Tyler so <laughs> so I got like I don't know how many is this you bro more than one person reached out and said I think this is you doing this that's so funny um and uh and I would I wish it was I wish I thought of it it's <laughs> a great idea Thank <laughs> it, you. it was very funny <laughs> I think that my perception of this is this is a and I think you've alluded to this a couple of times since then, which is it's hard it's just hard to know what to make of this. We're in unprecedented yes. times right now, and is this a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it's hard to say, but we we can't just let it happen without talking about it. Right. We need to be aware that this is something that's going on, and, and that people clearly care about. And clearly, there's an audience for it, and clearly, it strikes a lot of people many of them not Christian as being very strange. Uh-huh. And that should be, that should be a, like a red flag that we need to be aware to, uh, of what to say right. when people ask about and this. And not just bury our heads in the sand. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise it, I, I think that's, I think that's something that kind of caught a lot of our parents or, and their parents flat footed was that Christianity was subsumed by certain cultures whether that's a political culture or a uh, television, like a, like a TV network. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- and I think that there was not an honest conversation about what does this mean, or not enough of one, at right. least that I'm aware of, that has lasted long enough to now. So now the moral majority exists, the religious right exists. We don't even really know how we got to this point. Yep. How did this happen? Because it wasn't discussed enough and the potential 
downfalls of that happening were not part of a significant enough conversation to to stop it. And we've pe- seen what happens. Yeah, and people are weird about money. Like people are, at least in, in the Christian spheres, people are a lot more prone to talk about purity or sex than they are about spending or mm-hmm. about where our heart is with our money. Like really, like got it. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we can say that. But it, I just my own upbringing, like it, I talked so much more about sex and oh, purity absolutely. than it was yeah. about like, hey, bro, why'd you buy that stupid thing? Like, uh-huh. are, where are you finding your identity? Are you finding your identity in the stuff you buy or with your money? So it's I think culturally it's it's been a weird – people don't want to touch the money thing because I think, at least for me, I hold close my financial situation and don't want people to say, hey, dude, like you really aren't saving that much money. Uh, or, or or something like that. So I think at a macro level, a lot of people knew deep down that there was a lot of money in preaching and worship music maybe. Sure. But, no, but you know, there was no, like, way to pinpoint why they didn't feel great about it or something. You can talk about sex, I think, and use that as sort of a – and this is – I don't think this is the stated or even maybe the, the – uh, a purpose they're aware of when people talk about this, but it's pretty easy to control people when you talk about sex. It's pretty easy to use that as a cudgel that keeps people in line. Hmm. But when you're telling people about money situations, uh, there's not there's not quite that visceral ability to to keep people in line there because actually yeah. it's there's more benefit to people in your uh, in your belief system getting more money, more money. And, and and that's helpful. So it doesn't do anybody any good to have a bunch of homeless <laughs> like that, that doesn't work at all right. so the so money goes nowhere if everyone is so yeah. i do think there's and i again i don't think for all, most people that's part of the explicit plan but i think these things naturally just kind of weave into the ways that we at a gut instinct talk the reasons we talk about these things within the christian belief yeah system. and now it's turned into where it's like at a macro level very a culturally influenced thing like Within Western church culture, there are huge churches with uh, impressive point men that in pretty much every major metropolitan area that speak really well, Mm -hmm. dress really well, Mm -hmm. seem to be making a lot of money, write books, go on tours, have really impressive worship bands. And that just kind of all, for whatever reason, came to a head with this whole sneaker thing. Yeah. And I yeah. didn't even know it existed. Like I knew there were mega oh, churches everywhere. Did you not? I didn't know. I had heard of Erwin McManus, uh-huh. and I had heard of Carl Lentz as you know being the hot Hillsong guy. But yeah. I had always sung Hillsong songs. I didn't know about any of the other LA pastors or any other. Like I didn't know who Stephen Furtick was uh-huh. or anything until I started seeing those videos. Um, and now my you know, eyes have been open to all of this, and so it, it's it's been interesting how that's just its whole own subculture. And How has your perspective on it changed since you started the account? Yeah, I uh, initially I was being a little snarky just because uh-huh. I was like, this is ridiculous. Mac Brock's wearing $800 sneakers. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's a worship leader. This makes no sense to me. And, you know, being, you know, this is ironic, but being transparent, like, I have issues with with money. Like, money is something that I always struggle with. Uh-huh. Like, not having enough, complaining about other people having money, like, in my personal life, like, that's, that's a real thing. Sure. And so some of that was out of that. Like, dude, this is ridiculous. Like, I uh, I tithe. And if I ever saw my pastor come out in shoes like this, I would be pissed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was clearly projecting that. But it was – I had no audience. I had – I had. it was on my personal Instagram. It was 400 followers. All mm-hmm. of the people that follow me, like, know me as a person. Right. And so I obviously didn't expect this to blow up or expect to be talking to any of these guys. Like, clearly, like, when you do something – in your own circle, you don't expect the celebrity to actually see something you're doing. You don't even want them to. I don't, no. Um, and then I, uh, I had a buddy, obviously, you know, you know the story, but that gave me a shout out and then it blew up uh-huh. um, pretty much overnight. And so, you know, very quickly, as I'm getting calls from the New York Times and getting calls from Wall Street Journal, I'm also getting calls from Carl Lentz. And he's telling me, like, behind the curtain stuff, like, hey, you know, so and so's getting harassed. Like, oh, I, I, I understand why this happened. Um, you know, I don't agree with how you're doing it, but like he leveled with me, obviously super cool and 
relatable and everything. Nice guy, isn't he? He is a very nice guy, and he's good looking. Uh, I, I wish I looked like that. It's kind of sucks. When, when yeah. you, want something to, you want something bad about him? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like, no, he's nice. No, and you're really nice. You're really friendly. You're, you're really handsome. You're so you handsome. Speak my language. <laughs> did, I, did I mention you're so handsome? <laughs> um, and so, like, you know, they're telling me, like, uh, you know, like real stories about walking into a designer store with Justin Bieber and Justin being like, hey, take whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You know, you've helped me change my life. Take whatever you want, and I'm like, okay, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Like, I, I'm I'm a relatively empathetic person, and so I I just feel the emotions of other people, and like get I overindex on understanding the other side too much to where I can't make decisions a yeah. lot of times. Yeah. So like Carl's talking to me, I'm like, I get what you're saying, bro. Like, mm-hmm. I'm probably gonna shut this down. Like, this doesn't seem fair. But then the other end, there's two hundred thousand people that are like, no, dude, this, mm-hmm. this like I'm getting people from like Redeemer messaging me saying, like, dude, this is an incredibly important conversation that you're bringing up, like, from the Christian perspective. Like, we're inundated with consumerism and celebrity, and, you know, these guys are supposed to be pointing to Jesus, not themselves. And I'm like, dude, I, like, I am not, I did not sign up for this. Like, I, I like the attention. I like, oh, for sure. I like it being viral. I like the idea yeah, that people yeah. think I'm funny. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, it's my favorite things. It's like sneakers and my faith, mm-hmm. and, um, and it's creative and, and all that. So all that's cool. But at the same time, people are like, dude, you're causing division in the church. Hey, this is a really great conversation to oh, have in the what church. What a terrible. Sounds, and then atheists I'm are like, yeah. anxiety to hear yeah, about yeah. This. That sounds terrible. All, all at once, like atheists, like F these guys. Like this is why I left the church. And <laughs> yeah. then other Christians be like, dude, how could you do this? Like call, like Matthew 18, you need mm-hmm. to go to these guys in, uh, in person. I'm like, dude, I don't know what to do with any of this. And so I stopped for a couple weeks just because I was like, mm-hmm. I need to process this and like, I brought it to my community group, brought it to my pastor. And of course, no one really had that great of advice except like, check your heart. Like if you're getting too much identity from this, you probably need to stop. Or is it gossip? Like, you know, you don't want to be fostering this negative environment. And so my, my, uh, to answer your question, my perspective is now there's a lot of legitimate things to ask about. Like, how can we have a space for church celebrities while we're trying to point to the creator of the Mm -hmm. universe? That seems like something worth discussing like the consumerism thing, like the obsession with brands and the obsession with having nice cars and nice shoes. And especially like as we represent uh, Jesus who came in a manger, died on a cross and got buried in a borrowed tomb, that seems to be worth discussing. And then also the thing that fires me up the most is this prosperity gospel bullshit that uh, I have no patience for the straight up sow a seed and you'll get a return thing. That seems evil to me. The uh, and we talked about that briefly uh-huh. this summer. But then there's also this kind of uh, somebody called it like a pep rally type preaching where it's a lot of it feels self help motivational fire up not a ton of weight or not a ton of like hey you're a sinner in need of a savior more of like God's got a purpose for you live out your purpose and be ready for your blessing the sort of Marion Williamson Oprah meets a little bit of like some biblical language in yes. there. Olstein's the easy target yeah. for that, but yeah, it's but there's, bigger than Olstein. But yeah, and then now there's a whole kind of n- new generation of that where it's it's incredibly entertaining. Mm-hmm. The speakers are really good. Of course, they're going to grow huge congregations. And from that, they're seen as spiritual leaders um, that are also seen as celebrities. They write books, sell them to their congregations that think they're amazing speakers, and then they speak at all their buddies' churches, get paid to speak there, and then sell their books and then say, well, he doesn't take a salary. It's just money off his book deals. Mm-hmm. That seems like a self-looking ice cream cone to me. Yeah. And that seems like something worth addressing. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? Oh, I think you're absolutely. And we, I, I do remember talking about this. I think that there's been a, I think that a lot of the stuff that you're talking about is popular because it, it works. Like we, we are in a, we're in a culture that is, that is craving some sort of, and I think it's built, it's not our culture. It's built into the human heart to want some to look towards something above, outside of ourselves, to make ourselves better. Yeah, and and there's a lot of despair right now, especially there's you know people are, are very very there's a lot of anxiety, and people want something to be a part of, and and uh, Christianity has honestly been kind of tested and seen largely as a failure to do that, so it needed a rebrand, and the rebrand ended up with this sort of uh, amalgamation of a lot of different philosophies, many of which are really good. Like a lot of these are just basic self-care counseling tips that your therapist would tell you right. if you went to see one. That doesn't mean they're bad. 
this doesn't mean it's necessarily a religion. It's yeah. not necessarily part of a a really well-formed substantive theology. Mm-hmm. That's very different, and it's hard, and it's not something that our modern churches are really well-equipped to mass-produce on the scale that we need to to maintain the systems that we've put in place and the, mm. with the sort of money that we do. So it's, I think that it would be to our benefit to say, yeah, there's something to this. We don't mind that people are taking good advice about how to about self-perception and, and self-care and believing in yourself and setting dreams and goals and achieving those things, uh, finding peace and healing in their relationship. That, that's good. And that's you, you can even say that's part of the gospel. I, mm-hmm. I think that God wants that for us. But I also think we need to maintain a really strict boundary and say, but religion is something very different. And what we believe and what we have been taught and handed down to from the church and from uh, from within the Bible and, and different teachings and and uh, the Pope, if that's your if that's your like that's different. It is something yeah. that's distinct. Yeah, and it, it would the the line is incredibly blurry right now, and I think that's what feels icky to me, mm-hmm. exactly. and it feels icky to a lot of people. Is like just you know the logic goes, I'm tithing, the church provides this guy a salary or a platform or whatever. And in turn, it at least looks like he or she is living a luxurious lifestyle off of that. And so the thing that makes me feel the ickiest is that in some of these church cultures or some of these churches, people are giving, thinking they're giving to the kingdom of God, to further the kingdom, mm-hmm. yes. to further the operations of the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's some... It, it gets convoluted somewhere to where now the pastor is living a lifestyle that to most normal people seems lavish. Mm-hmm. And that's what, so like people will call me out all the time for selling hoodies. And like, I get, I get the, the criticism there. Just, to me, the difference is like everyone that's ever given me a dollar knows that they're giving me a dollar <laughs> and right. it's not right. shrouded in some uh, obedience to the word of God. Like, you know, I, I, I get like, and that's why early on with the merch and stuff, I gave all the money away. This is my podcast, so I can I can uh, justify everything on my own <laughs> podcast. But like, I, I get the criticism like, oh, how ironic that you're making some money off of this. And granted, you know, I get the irony, but the irony doesn't take away, I think, the value of talking about whether or not it's appropriate. And doesn't that at that point aren't you? Isn't that kind of the same thing as like, well, Bernie Sanders has three houses. Like it's you're still that's there's that meme about the and yet you live in a society. Interesting. The it seems unfair to criticize people who are pointing at what they perceive to be a real issue, but can't completely extricate themselves from the. That's the society we live in. It's like Greta Thunberg on the on the train eating the sandwich out of the plastic bag. Like, oh, how ironic! Greta eating out of a plastic bag. If anything, these people should be commended for the fact that they still have the clarity to recognize that there's something happening that they're a part of, a system they're a part of, that is that they think is problematic. Yeah, it is wrong, and that's why I think that to use another to borrow another like kind of Bernie. I I know this isn't the Bernie podcast. This is the Seth Rogen podcast. But yeah. (laughs) But um, but I think that, you know, I think when you start thinking about wealth inequality in America, and that's a real issue, that's a problem, it's easy to start pointing out the CEOs, the, the Jeff Bezoses and, and, mm-hmm. and the Bill Gateses. And, that, and sure, that's fine, as long as you're aware that, well, it's not like if these guys just started giving away their money, everything would be fine right. and wealth equality would go away. What you're doing is very similar. You're saying, here are some issues. These are some people who are taking part in it. This points to a broader issue of consumerism and the way the merging of branding and faith in our culture, the way that branding is taking over everything in our culture. Yep. And uh, and we need to be thinking about this. Yeah. That's my take on it. I don't know if that's yours, but that's no, how I, I've thought I, about it. I appreciate you saying that. I, I appreciate you saying that because that that's the that's that's what I'm going for. And I know people don't not everyone sees that because they see the comments and a lot of the people in the comments are really terrible. They're like and I, I, yeah. I get that. And, you know, there's something to say, like, well, you're creating the environment for them. And I'm also like, okay, yes, of course there are going to be negative comments, but does that negate the need to at least bring it up? And if 
if there's some negative collateral damage that comes from it, I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. You, you know, mm-hmm. I try to, yeah, yeah. the people that are openly just hateful, like I have a media manager that goes in and deletes some of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's impossible to get a hold on all of that. But, um, you know, I, I don't subscribe to the idea that because there are negative comments, what I'm doing is wrong. I think, uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, there are yeah, terrible yeah. people, and, and, but it's very. And it's the internet. And it's there's the internet. Be yeah, comments. there's going to be negative comments, and but that's another picture into an issue with the church. Like, I mean, you can clearly tell there's a lot of Christians that show up, Christians. Mm-hmm. I'm using air quotes in the comments that are clearly overly judgmental mm-hmm. or overly like not willing to see the other person's side, and that's something in itself. Like showing a mirror at people, like they can comment on someone else's lifestyle, but not address their own personal lifestyle from their iPhone or you know it sucks it does yeah it, it, it does suck I and hate it. and so i so like i'm i'm in the middle kind of like you said earlier like the anxiety of being in this middle ground where i recognize my flaws and recognize that i've got a ton of work to do and i have my own issues with money and my own issues with like wanting to be famous or having people yeah. think i'm awesome um versus like seeing everyone else's issues projected in the comments and not knowing what to do with that um which is why I've done it slower in like the whole anonymous thing. Like I'm just waiting for a specific time to like reveal my identity. (laughs) But also that was a practice. I've said this before, like, and you don't have to believe it, but it's a practice for me. Cause like I wanted to go like the today show asked me to come on and and very early on. Uh And I wanted to do that. Like I was like, Oh, this is gonna be awesome. I'm going to be famous. Like people will know me and see like, all my ex-girlfriends will like <laughs> finally I could say show you like that's what you get for breaking my heart. Um, oh, I absolutely believe that. Oh, I, to- oh, I, oh, I feel that all the time. Yeah, but like working through with my my wife and my community, they're like, dude, I mean, you know, where's your heart really in this? Like, yeah. do you? Uh, there was some self-preservation thing just because there was the the uncertainty of it all. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. I had a good internship lined up. My wife works at a big church oh, in okay. Dallas. Yes. And so I just didn't know what they were going to think of it. Like, mm-hmm. there's not a book on how to deal with being a viral. viral. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So some of that was self-serving. And then it turned into a branding thing. And now it's just like, uh, it's more, I mean, real talk, like a PR thing for the book because mm-hmm. I'm writing a book. Um, Congratulations, by the way. Thank That's you. That's super cool. I appreciate it. And I, I, I feel very... I feel proud of that. Like it's a validation in that, oh, there's more here than just funny quips uh-huh. and you know, you know, poking at pastors' Instagrams. Because I I wanted to get away from that as quick as possible. Just because like, you know, I'm very tired of posting pictures of of pastors oh, and sneakers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I did. I I wanted to like grab hold of the more meaningful portion of it, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which I hope when I come out in public, I hope people will see that. I meant well. I, I think that, I mean, I, I do too. You never you never can predict, obviously. But yeah. like I said, I really do believe the issue, the issue that you're pointing at is very is a very real one. I think it's a really important one. And I think that as far as I can tell, from my anecdotal perspective, the voices and people that I have respected the most who have talked about preachers and sneakers have been, have, have appreciated the work that you've done. So I, I would be... For whatever value that has for for Ray right now, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. soon little to none, but I, I appreciate <laughs> you saying that. No, no, seriously, that does that does mean a lot, and that's not why I brought here you here to stroke my own uh, ego. But no, um, I, I, I it is helpful. Mine, yeah, <laughs> it is helpful to get your perspective because you are very much in the forefront cultural discussions that like I mean that's your whole deal the intersection of faith and culture. Uh-huh. Um, what do you think about? like this whole idea of celeb church celebrities or like Christian celebrities. So there's two categories to me. Like there's the Kanye's of the world that are celebrities that converted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those guys. Um, And then there's the dudes that are celebrities because they're Christians. They started out as Christians. Yeah. And then then they became celebrities because they're preachers. Broad, more broadly famous. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've interacted with or written about a lot of these types of people. What are Mm -hmm. your thoughts on that? Like if that, can exist in a healthy way. I, I think I think there's multifarious things going on with the Great that word. confluence, and I think that it's very difficult to know. I think the first thing we do need to kind of abandon in our our conference, we the proletariat, the non-famous mm-hmm. Christians, need to abandon is this idea that 
that uh, is trying to judge motive or ascertain motive from a from a digital distance. Yeah. Um, because it's really really hard to know how sincere or insincere someone is being about what they're what they're saying over the internet. So when somebody like Kanye West says he's a Christian now, I completely understand and feel the skepticism myself about what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and vice versa, when somebody be, is when a pastor becomes very, very famous and, and makes a lot of money off of preaching, I feel that same level of skepticism. Uh, but I think these things probably don't exist really in a binary. Like I, my strong hunches are some mixture of, yes, I think they mean this. Yes, this is also a just smart business for yeah. them, and one assists the other in a way that is really hard for us to know how to talk about, especially on Instagram or yes. Twitter, in, yep. in a way that's that's helpful. I think that the church sort of inevitably takes on the tone of the culture around it, which is why you saw a lot of churches becoming businesses in the 80s because it was hmm. time of big business and, and Reaganomics was very successful. And, and so they, you started seeing churches run, pastors became more like CEOs. Yep. And, and they started hiring more like a CEO would. Now things are changing. Now it's in the age of a digital brand, the, it looks a little different. The pastor is more, like a, is more like a brand and the church is more like the brand managers. And that has some good things about it. Yeah, I think that that's sort of there's a, an appeal to that, and, and that can work and help reach people who need to who, who could use a church. But there's also a lot of danger in that because a brand isn't going to fight itself. A brand right. can't critique itself. It's against the brand's whole thing. Brands aren't supposed brands to. are meant to be elevated. Yeah, yeah. So if something bad happens, the brand is going to work together uh, to try to, uh, to like a virus to try to. So if a pastor uh, does something wrong, which which goodness knows they do, mm-hmm. right? And uh, or if there's something that that's going on with the money, or even if that you know, God is calling them to do something that isn't very cool, that just doesn't, which God does yeah. frequently. Uh, the more your church looks like a brand, I think the less equipped you're going to be to listen to that and heed that. Man, that's a good word. Yeah, yeah, because that is such a good word about. As if, because the culture we've, we as lay people that attend these churches have created the need or the, or maybe the culture has created it, the, the, the transition to becoming more of a branded organization, a branded, like the, the pastors being a personality that people go to, to see it is inherently a conflict to, for them to look at themselves and say, what are we doing wrong? Let's publicly say what we're doing wrong. Mm-hmm. But then that's so easy for people on the outside to just turn that into vitriol. Mm-hmm. And yeah, exactly. And that, I mean, that's kind of what's happened a little bit with my, my account. Sure. And so we're all, I think, yeah. So the takeaway, I mean, this is like, we all, this is still such freaking no man's land or no woman's land as far as how, how we as Christians are to handle all these things. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's got to be something he wants us to work through, or or pray about, or seek counsel about. The tough thing is that the people that are older than us, or that we see as wise counsel, a lot of them haven't gone through any of this stuff because this didn't exist. We're untested waters. Yeah, we're having to figure our own way out here. Yeah, and that that's just... why it's that's why it is really tough. And it's not like there aren't churches that aren't figuring this out because there are. I, I think that. The, uh, there's a lot of people, and we I, I get to talk to a lot of these pastors at Relevant who are doing really cool stuff, but you're not going to hear about these people because a lot of the cool stuff they're doing, just it doesn't market well. It's not super sexy, or, or it makes people mad. A lot of the best things that a mm. lot of Christians and, and churches and ministries are doing right now is the sort of stuff that you're not supposed to do. It's uh, protesting or or it, it's defying certain people in positions of power and influence. Ah. And, uh, and I think that's really important. I think it's a, it's a part of the call of the church to do so with, with wisdom and, and force. Yeah. But I don't think that's the ticket to being successful as a church. Yeah. And I guess one last note to on the, on the side of the pastors, like, you know, if you put yourself in these guys' shoes, like, Clearly, they're gifted speakers. They know that they have a, the gift of teaching or, mm-hmm. or preaching. 
and wouldn't all of us want to do something that we feel gifted at? And also, if someone said, hey, I'll pay you $100,000 to write about this or to yeah. do, go do this, are you really in your heart of hearts turning that down? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'm big enough to say, uh, this thing that I feel so much life out of doing, someone's going to offer to pay me and shower me with exquisite gifts for doing. No, I'm not going to do that because I don't want, I don't care. I don't want people to think that I'm profiting off of. And, and the financial reality is like these people have kids. Right. You know, they've got it. They've got, even if they're not nice houses, they have houses. So somebody like people are struggling with money. We don't have a lot of it. So somebody <laughs> yeah. says, I'll give you a lot of it. You're like, oh, thank God. This, Finally, this changes my year. My, my ship has come. Look how God provided for me. And yeah. it'd, be, it'd take a lot of self-awareness. And people do it. But it would take a lot of self-awareness to be like, you know what? No, I'm going to yeah. do this one on the house. And so I, yeah. So I, like I said, like I see both sides and I, I welcome, I, I also have bills to pay yeah. and a house to pay for and dogs to feed. Um, and so, but I, I think that's, you know, indicative of the need to, to work through these things. Much uh-huh. like we worked through, uh, or the church worked through issues about, or are still working through great issues about race and sexuality yeah, and all yeah. that kind of thing. I think, you know, got it. This is maybe a secondary issue, but it's worth all of us understanding that people care about it and trying to find answers or trying to find wisdom in this. Unfortunately, the Bible just doesn't talk about how to treat the rich or the poor at all. So we're really it's true. kind of out. There's, there's maybe there'll be another Dead Sea Scroll. Nothing that talks in about. there. Yeah, nothing in there about if a rich person comes into church, where should you tell them to sit? We the, the Bible doesn't, doesn't say. It's a mystery. Theologians have wrestled with that one for <laughs> millennia, and I'm not going to solve that one. If today. only God would speak. <laughs> God speak into this issue, please. No, that's a really good word, uh, Tyler. I know we're out of time, but. Sure. Um, you're working on some interesting things at Relevant. If people want to check you out in the internet sphere, where can they find you? Uh, at Tyler Huckabee on Twitter is really the best place to. I, I'm not super active on any. My Instagram account is is languishing cobwebs, <laughs> <laughs> which is probably wise. Like, How's somebody, your mental health? Somebody's <laughs> probably taking it over. It's probably some Russian bot now. Telling you to. But if you look at it, look at his tweets, you might think that's a Russian bot too. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> it's mostly comic book discussions it, it, and then yeah, some yeah, my, political flair. My tweets aren't for everybody. So don't, <laughs> it's worth don't, checking out. I, I'm, I'm giving you the warning right now. But yeah, if you want, I, I'm at Tyler Huckabee, and uh, and I'm on Twitter. Too much. It's rotten my brain. Turned my brain into <laughs> brain just a pure cesspool of negativity. Internet, internet brain. <laughs> it's real. And he also he also writes on Relevant Magazine. He's on the Relevant Podcast. Check that podcast out. I mean, I mean, you guys are on there five days a week. There's, I have. There's the Relevant Daily, which is yeah. which is like ten minutes. Uh, just catch up on like the stuff that were the intersection of faith and culture, and then the the Mothership, the Relevant Podcast, the main is twice a week. And actually, I was sent to ask you if you wanted to join us sometime. Would you? Uh, just oh, really? Swing? Yeah, yeah. Just. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you can afford me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I uh, <laughs> no, absolutely. Oh, Would yeah? love to. Would you, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, do you? I mean, I guess y'all do it remotely. Uh, yeah, yeah. We got Jesse's in Virginia on Virginia Beach, and I'm down oh, okay. here. Uh, so you could come from Dallas or wherever. It is. I would you love. You fly. To you're all over the place. Yeah, I mean that. That's. Uh, basically where the hoodie money is going to like just i mean i'm not making a profit i'm just paying for these coffees they're cool, they're cool hoodies yeah yeah i appreciate it are Thanks. there any around here i need i need to leave with them. uh i didn't bring any because these were super expensive but i will for the next next one especially if we if i come on y'alls yeah i'll hook you up don't worry that wasn't um, what i was coming that's not what i asked but, <laughs> well but it's, I won't the, say it's no. the least i could do for for how much i paid for you to come do this podcast <laughs> uh all right well, tyler huckabee thanks for spending time with me thanks man. don't tell anybody who i am of course and uh, we will talk later. No sponsors for the podcast today. All I ask is that you like, review, and subscribe to the Preachers and Sneakers podcast if you haven't already. Follow me on Instagram at Preachers and Sneakers and on Twitter at Preachers and Sneakers with no vowels. P-R-C-H-R-S-N-K-R-S? Is that it? P-R-C-H-R-S. S N S K R S. Yes, preachers and sneakers without any vowels. There's not nearly as many followers on Twitter, and so uh, I say maybe more open minded things or more pointed things on Twitter than maybe I do on Instagram. So feel free to follow or not. I mean, nothing matters anymore. No one can go anywhere. So if you want to be entertained with my 
spin on content saturation. Feel free to follow me on Instagram and Twitter. I've got a YouTube channel and a TikTok, but I'm not producing anything over there right now. Feel free to subscribe to those. But yeah, the biggest thing right now is if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the Preachers and Sneakers podcast on Apple iTunes. That's the biggest platform for me as far as the podcast. So I really appreciate it. I'm grateful for you listening, spending the time, and hope you got something out of it. And please tune in for the next episode of the Preachers and Sneakers podcast. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., at Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success.